0: To be reading quite a bit of scripture tonight. Uh, We're going to read the entirety of Acts 26. And so it's a you're going to want to follow along. It's going to be on the screens uh, as well. Uh, But last week, uh, Dario brought us a a very powerful message on leadership, uh, had a steward leadership. Uh, and then I came up afterwards and the Lord had just prompted me to tell you that uh, leadership is important uh, and that you have about as much influence as God can trust you with at the moment. And so you need to steward it well. Uh, and We learned that Paul was a leader who stewarded uh, his influence well. And, and we even learned last week that we all are influencing someone. We all are leading someone somewhere. Now, where we're leading them to, that's for you, that's, that's for you to decide. Where we're leading people is for you to decide. We can either lead them down a path that leads to righteousness or down a path that leads to destruction. But we are all leading people somewhere. Uh, I I wanted to remind you tonight, uh, because it's been a while, uh, there's something I want you to take note of. And so I'm going to very quickly uh, read uh, Acts chapter 20. Verses 22 through 24, you don't have to flip there. I just thought it would be a good reminder because it's been a few weeks since we read this scripture. Uh, It says this, And now uh, I am on my way to Jerusalem, this is Paul speaking, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in every town the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. But I consider my life of no value to myself, My purpose is to finish my course in the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. And I wanted to remind you of this tonight because we're in Acts chapter 26. That was Acts chapter 20. And we've read, if you've been with us for about the last month, about how Paul has been uh, imprisoned and put on trial after trial. He's been beaten. He's been left for dead. Uh, And I wanted to remind you of this that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he said he will do. Now, we'll kind of circle back around to this uh, before we uh, end tonight, but we don't always know exactly what that will look like. right? Even Paul said, I don't know what it's going to fully look like, but I want you to be reminded that when God says something, he carries it out. Because everything that we have read the last month was promised by God. Yes? And so we pick up here. um, And I I do want to say one more thing. The Holy Spirit prepared Paul mentally and most likely emotionally uh, right there in Acts chapter 20 for what he was about to encounter. And Paul realized that no matter what it was that was coming his way, his job was to bring glory to Jesus and testify about what he has done. And if we have one or two purposes in life, it's that we may not know what's coming, but our job is to bring glory to Jesus and testify about what he has done. Amen? Acts chapter 26 reads like this, uh, starting in verse 1. It says, Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself.' So Paul reached out his hand and began his defense. He said, I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, I am to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially since you are very knowledgeable about all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. All the Jews know my way to life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own people in Jerusalem. Verse 5 says, They have known me for a long time. If they are willing to testify that according to the strictest sect, Of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand on trial because of the hope in what God promised to our ancestors. The promise our 12 tribes hope to reach as they earnestly serve him night and day. King Agrippa, I am being accused by the Jews because of this hope. Verse 8 says, why do any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? And if you remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about how God brings things from death to life. And Paul's saying it should be a normal thing that God raises the dead. In fact, I myself am convinced that it was necessary to do many things in opposition uh, to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, He says, I actually did this in Jerusalem, and I locked up many of the saints in prison since I had received authority, that from the chief priests, when they were put to death, I was in agreement against them. In all the synagogues, I punished them and tried to make them blaspheme. Since I was terribly enraged at them, I pursued them even to foreign cities. And so Paul is recounting who he was before his encounter with Jesus, that he tried and and successfully killed Christians. He said, I was traveling to Damascus under these circumstances with authority in a commission from the chief priests. King Agrippa, while on the road at midday, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those traveling with me. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice speaking to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. He said, I asked, who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. Paul continues on in verse 17. I will rescue you from your people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a share among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Instead, I preached to those in Damascus first and to those in Jerusalem and all the region of Judea. And to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works worthy of repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and were trying to kill me. And to this very day, I have had help from God. And I stand and testify to both small and great, saying nothing other than what the prophets and Moses said would take place, that the Messiah would suffer, and that as the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light to our people and to the Gentiles. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus exclaimed in a loud voice, you're out of your mind, Paul. Too much uh, study is driving you mad. But Paul replied, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus. On the contrary, I'm speaking words of truth and good judgment. For the king knows about these matters and I can speak boldly to him. For I'm convinced that none of these things has escaped his notice since this was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. Agrippa said to Paul, are you going to persuade me to become a Christian so easily? I wish before God, Paul replied, that whether easily or with difficulty, not only you, but all who listen to me today might become as I am, except for these chains. The king, the governor, Bernice, and those sitting with them got up, and when they had left, they talked with each other and said, this man has not done anything to deserve death or imprisonment. Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been released if he had not appealed to Caesar. And so up to this point, they only really have one charge against him. I just kind of want to recap what's been happening. He had been dismissed of sedition, which means an attempt to cause a riot or a rebellion against the authority or the state. And so they tried to accuse him of inciting a rebellion against the government. That got dismissed. Uh, The charge that Paul had defiled the temple uh, had died out because nobody showed up to give witness. Uh, the only charge they had left really was that he was teaching against the Jewish, the Jewish law. And so in verses nine through 19, we read the quick testimony of the encounter that Paul had with Jesus. He gives us a very quick summary, but here's something I want you to, to notice. He left out some details. This is the third time he's telling his testimony. And there are some people in the audience that this is their third time hearing. But here's, here's what I love, and, and here's something I want you to take note of, because this series, Church on the Wild, is all about us reaching our friends for Jesus, yes? Right, that we are to take the gospel outside of the four walls of the church, yes? That's what we've been talking about for about 20 weeks now, is that we should be reaching those outside of these walls with the gospel message of Jesus. Here's what I love, is that Paul knew his audience, and I want to encourage you, know who you're talking to when you're speaking to them about Jesus. If I was going to come to Quinn and talk to him about Jesus, it would be a very intellectual conversation. With very large words. <laughs> and, and he would think that's preposterous, right? Okay. Okay. But y'all get what I'm saying. Know who, know who you're speaking to. Some people, you're, they're going to have to ask for a definition of the word preposterous. I'm that person. It's in my notes. No, I know what it means. It means that chaplain is smart. Um, know your audience. Know your audience. I love that he starts with his testimony because that brings me to my first point. Look at your neighbor and say his first point. Jesus gives you, you don't have to repeat that. You don't have to repeat that. I like y'all are about to repeat literally everything I'm going to say. I got to echo. I love that he starts with his testimony, his defense, because it reminded me of this as I was studying. And I hope it reminds you of this tonight. Jesus gives you a fresh start. Jesus gives you a fresh start. Now, there's a lot of people in this room that have made some mistakes and done some wrongs, but I I would hope that there's nobody in this room that's killed anybody. Paul actually did that. Paul actually did that. And yet, and yet, Jesus revealed himself to him. It changed everything to the point where Paul now is one of the most, I don't want to say popular, but most recorded people in the Bible. He wrote two thirds of the New Testament. And I wanted to remind you tonight that Jesus gives us a fresh start. Paul was a man who grew up a Jew and he lived by the letter of the law and was so on fire for God that he thought killing Christians was the right thing to do. He assumed that Jesus was a prophet who just went absolutely crazy and called himself the son of God. And so that his followers needed to be wiped off the planet, off the face of the earth. I mean, that's really Paul's thought. And he said, I I was successful and I had the authority to do so. And this is who I was before Jesus. And then he says, but on the road to Damascus, that's the place where I had an encounter with Jesus and Jesus even tells him why are you fighting against my will. And I can tell that there are some in the room tonight because I see it week in and week out that are wrestling against the will of God. That Jesus is calling you. That Jesus is calling you to his purpose and his plan and there are some in the room who are who are fighting it. Can I encourage you with something today? That if you would just surrender to Jesus, your life would look totally different. There are so many in the room that can testify to that. I'm one of them. That Jesus had to reveal himself to me in a radical way. Because I was fighting against the will of God, and he's he's had to do it multiple times throughout my life. He desires to be in relationship with you. I want you to look up here just really quick because I want you to catch how serious this is tonight. That Jesus desires to be in relationship with every single one of you. Because he's got a plan and a purpose for your life and he loves you. Paul was fighting the will of God. And it took a it took a revelation and an encounter With Jesus, which brings me to my second point that we were created on purpose for a purpose. Jesus said, You're fighting my will, you're fighting against the very thing that I have planned for you. Can I tell you something? You are not a mistake. We have a divine purpose that was set by Jesus. Himself, We are all called to reach the world. Now, we all do that in different ways and in in different areas of life because there's some people that y'all can reach that I can't reach. There's some people that you know how to speak to them that I, I don't. Right? We all were created on purpose for a purpose. Acts 26, 16 says this, Uh, what we just read, but get up and stand on your feet for I have appealed to you for this purpose to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I'm going to read that again. I have appeared to you for this purpose. Somebody say this purpose to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. And so I don't know what anyone's purpose or what we call the calling of God is on your life. That's something you're going to have to pray about and seek God for. But I can tell you that we all have two main purposes that are sitting here in this room right now. The first is that you are called to be a witness of everything that that you have seen and that Jesus has done in your life. Here's what Revelation 12:11 says. It says they conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives to the point of death. And it really goes back to that Acts chapter 1 8, when we started this series off with, right? Jesus told his disciples, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We are called to be his servants. In his witnesses, to bring glory to his name. That's what Jesus told Paul. And I read this a couple of weeks ago, and I want to read it again. Ephesians uh, chapter two, verse ten says this: uh, "For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus." That word workmanship. If you're taking notes right now, I want you to write down that word "workmanship" because in some uh, translations it says "masterpiece." And I said this a couple weeks ago that that word actually means carefully crafted. That's what it means in the original language that you were carefully crafted. Now, are there some things that Jesus has to prune from your life? Absolutely. But for the most part, the things that Jesus, that that are on the inside of you, Jesus can use those things for good. You were created on purpose for a purpose. We are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. And here's here's my next point with all of that that we read in Acts 26. We are called to partner with Jesus to open the eyes of those who don't have faith in Jesus. We are called to help open the eyes of the blind. Jesus himself said, I will rescue you from your people and from the Gentiles, and I am sending you to them. Why? To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a share among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now, you may not see your friends like this, but Jesus said that they are under the power of Satan, and we're called to share the gospel message To help open their eyes, because right now, most of your friends and most people in the world are simply what we call spiritually blind. They're what we call spiritually blind. That they're under the power of Satan, and they they just don't realize it. But we're called to help open their eyes, to turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. That they may also receive forgiveness and share among those who are a part of the family of God. Amen? Amen. So let me quickly remind you, point one was Jesus gives you a fresh start. The second point was this, you were created on purpose for a purpose. This is why I love reading Paul's testimony, because it gives us some good reminders. And the third one was this, we are called to partner with Jesus to open the eyes of the blind. But here's, here's where I want it to end tonight, because all, all of those things are great. Jesus gives us a fresh start, right? We were created on purpose for a purpose. We're called to help open the eyes of the blind. It's things that we've been talking about for quite some time now. And I love it because I, some of you are starting to, to get it. And you're actually starting to live this thing out and be Jesus with skin on but here's where I wanted to end tonight because I brought it up at the beginning that God is who he said he is and he will do what he said he will do. And as I was thinking about this message tonight, I had those three points that I just wanted to get across because I think it's important to to note those things in Acts 26. But there was one thing that the Lord kept just bringing back to my mind over and over and over again as I was preparing this. And it's, it, when you look at the testimony of Paul, he said, I was a Jew, that I was on fire for God to the point where I was I was killing those that followed Jesus because I thought it was the right thing to do. And then an encounter with Jesus, and he gave me some promises about the calling on my life. And in Acts chapter 20, We read that Jesus had a plan for Paul, that the Holy Spirit told him what was about to happen. And Jesus reminded me, the Holy Spirit reminded me of of words that Paul wrote. And as we've been going through this last half of Acts and we've been reading about Paul and his story and his journey, it's only fitting that Paul himself would write this. He was writing one of his many letters in the New Testament, and he says this. He says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Now, Paul has a radical encounter with Jesus, gets a calling from Jesus that he's to be a servant and a witness to help open the eyes of the blind. He preached to those that weren't a part of the Jewish nation. But he ends up getting arrested and beaten and released and almost left for dead and beaten and arrested, and he's on trial, and now he's on trial again. But here's, here's what's crazy. He is exactly where God has placed him. And yet... He writes, we know that all things work together for the good, those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Now, when I look at Paul's story, here's what it reminds me of. Y'all remember Connect the Dots? Do y'all remember Connect the Dots? Y'all remember this? Anyone do those as a kid? Because I did. I loved Connect the Dots. here's, Here's what I love about Connect the Dots is throw that first picture up there. Sometimes, sometimes, you know what the picture looks like. Yeah. You know what the picture looks like before you start. Yes? We can see what that picture is supposed to be. Have we connected a single dot yet? No. (laughs) It's toad, yeah. Y'all are funny. But sometimes, connect the dots looks like this. Throw that other one up there. I have zero idea what that's supposed to be. Did you say "Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star"? <laughs> that's funny. Throw that first one up there again. I like that one more. We can. We know what that's supposed to be. Yes? Super Mario. Throw that second one up there. I don't like that one as much. I have zero idea what that's supposed to be. God is who he says he is, and he will do what he said he will do. God is who he says he is. And he will do what he said he will do. Sometimes when God tells you something, throw that first one back up there. Sometimes when God tells you something, you can look at it and know what's going to happen before you even start. Yeah? Sometimes... God tells you something and you can know exactly what it's supposed to look like before you even start. But sometimes throw the second picture back up there. Sometimes God tells you God tells you something and you're like, I have no idea what this is supposed to look like. I have no idea what this is supposed to look like. That picture probably has a thousand dots. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. Throw that first picture up there. That's got like twenty-five dots. I can do that one. It's actually got like sixty seven. But I can do that one. Throw that second picture back up there. It's too many dots. There's really no rhyme or reason to that one. I don't I just I don't get it. Throw the first one back up there. That one's comforting. It's soothing. Throw the second picture back up there. That's scary. That takes takes some faith to get started. You know what I mean? You're like, I am in this for a long haul. I've got my ruler and my pencil, and I'm ready to connect the dots. But Paul's story actually reminds me a lot more of this picture than the last one. Because he knew that he was called... He knew that he was called, but his picture didn't look like that. Flip it to the other one. His picture looked like this. And a lot of times, this is what it looks like for us. But I can promise you something. God is who he said he is, and he will do what he said he will do. And that's really what God keeps speaking to me as we keep having to rehash Paul's testimony over and over and over again. that some things are going to make sense, right? Like that picture of Mario, that one makes sense. But the other one, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But here's what's crazy. If you were to connect all of those dots, it would turn into something. When it, when it comes to our, our journey, our faith journey with Jesus, there are going to be so many times where we don't get the full picture. We don't get the full picture. But God, when we take one step after another, when we wake up day after day and we say, Jesus, I'm choosing you, and we look back and we say, I was that person, but now that I'm here standing, I'm this person because of what Jesus has done in my life. That's what Paul did, right? Paul said, when I look back, this is who I was. This is the person that I that I." I thought this was the 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 way. I thought this is what I was supposed to be doing. But now that I'm standing here before you, I realize that Jesus actually does change everything. And that he works all things together. And so one day we're gonna to get to look up and we follow Jesus step by step, and we say, Jesus, I'm putting my faith in you. One day we're gonna look up and all of a sudden, all the dots are going to be connected. And we're going to look back and realize that we can trust in the faithfulness of God. Why? Because he gives us a fresh start. Because he created us on purpose for a purpose. And when we take it one step at a time and allow God to begin to shape us into Jesus with skin on, and we help open the eyes of the blind, we'll look up one day and what seemed to make no sense God will show us that He had a picture the entire time. I'm going to invite the worship team uh, to come back up. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want I want us to just for a second to just think about that. That it may not make sense right now. There may be what seems like no rhyme or reason to the things that are happening. But one day we're going to look up and if we give our life to Jesus, if we if we surrender to his plan and to his way, if we surrender to his purpose, then one day we're going to look up and we're going to realize that God actually does work all things together for the good of those that love him, who are called according to his purpose. And with every head bowed, and every eye closed. It starts with that first step. It starts with that first step. It doesn't matter. Here's what I love is it doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what neighborhood you grew up in. It doesn't matter what your family is like. It doesn't matter what words have been spoken over you. If we can learn anything from Paul's story, it's that Jesus gives us a fresh start. with every head bowed and every eye closed. One of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible is Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then I look at the story of Paul and I see that Paul was a man who had it all wrong, who was doing the wrong things. He thought he was right. And yet Jesus met him on the road. And he had an encounter with Jesus and Jesus revealed himself to him. And that, that shows me that we don't have to clean ourselves up, that we don't have to try and reach some pinnacle of religion, but that if we simply would surrender our lives to Jesus, everything will change. And so if you're in this room, and you've never given your life to Jesus before, the Bible says to admit that you are a sinner in need of a savior, to believe that Jesus is Lord and to confess it with your mouth. And it says, if you believe all of those things in your heart, then you will be saved. And so if you're sitting here in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus before, on the count of three, I'm simply gonna ask that you would raise your hand. One, two. Is there anybody in the room? Is there anybody in the room tonight that would say, Jesus, I want to give my life to you? I don't ever want to let the moment pass by. So if that's you tonight... Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you that you give us a fresh start. God, we thank you that when we surrender to you, you give us a purpose. Heavenly Father, I pray that during this next song, God, that you would begin to speak purpose into these teens' lives. God, I thank you that you have uh, entrusted us with the mission to help open the eyes of the blind. Heavenly Father, help us to see that some things right now just might not make have any rhyme or reason to them, God. But in the end, you work all things together for the good of those that love you, that are called according to your purpose. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. And it's in your mighty name that we pray. And everybody said, amen.